Good morning, YouTube family. Good afternoon, good evening, wherever you might be. Welcome to Escape from Crazy Town, where we are trying to escape Crazy Town to find our sanity. And then, oh, hold on a second, I have some food packs. Oh, there we go. Uh, sorry about that. I'm kind of keeping track of what it looks like on the computer. Making sure that you're able to see what I see, because sometimes people are saying things are not showing up. Anyway, welcome to Sanity, because we do not want to be stuck in crazy town anymore, right? We want to get out of there. Good morning, John. Good to see you hopping on. And you guys, thanks for coming on on time. Sorry I was 10 minutes late this morning, but I'm just running a little bit behind. We've had quite a crazy week. So today we have quite a topic for you guys, but I also want to share what has been going on in our lives. And that's how we learn from each other. And this is why I do the live streams so that I can interact with you. And if you have questions or comments for each other or for me, we can exchange them here. Yes. Hi, Obi. Good to see you. Yay, you made it. <laughs> so glad to see that. Um, let me see here, you guys. Our topic today is what the new supply doesn't know will hurt them. Um, because you know the adage of what you don't know won't hurt you. It does not apply with narcissists. What we don't know with narcissists will hurt us. That's why we have to be careful. But what I mean by careful is you have to be observant, right? You have to question. And it's not bad that you question things um, it's not bad that you check up on things. It's not bad if you notice something is contradicting, right, you, or hypocritical. You want to address the hypocrisy. You want to address why facts are contradicting each other. Because if they're contradicting each other, one of the facts is incorrect, right? So it's not a fact. It's a lie. It's an illusion. And this is why what the new supply doesn't know will hurt him or her because the illusion the lies that are perpetrated by the narcissist are designed to design for a purpose it's not just a fluke it's not just a tiny white lie oh you look great in that suit when the suit looks horrid right no it's not that it's going to hurt you in the short run and in the long run so this is why we got to pay attention and we're going to talk about why is it that the new supply is oblivious to what's going on with the narcissist, is oblivious to the narcissist's bad side. Wow, OB, look at that. Says the judge hates my daughter's mom. Wow. So the judge is able to see through what your ex, yeah, to see through your ex. So that's, you know, it is so satisfying when a fresh set of eyes or educated people or observant people notice this and you it just justifies and verifies you, right? Because you feel like you're not the one going crazy. You're not the one with the only perspective that of, of the narcissist, you know, the true perspective. And and when you think that you're the only one, you start to question yourself. And I think the new, you know, thanks for mentioning this part because I think the new supply feels the same way. If the new supply feels like they're the only one that sees the bad side of the narcissist, then it doesn't really exist because everybody else thinks the narcissist is just an amazing person, so giving, so kind, so um, sweet, or so helpful, um, so considerate. And so they'll say to the new supply, well, you're so lucky to be with this narcissist, right? Well, they don't call him the narcissist. Um, they'll, but they'll look at the narcissist and think that this is this person is a real catch. And the new supply, for the most part, thinks the same way. Thinks that this person is a huge catch. That everybody is jealous because they got the narcissist. And I've said this before, the prize that they got is a booby prize. It is not a real prize. It is not the jackpot, right? The narcissist is never a jackpot. The narcissist is a bottomless pit, right? That is empty. 
and will take everything from you to fill, but it never gets full. So it's a lost cause, you guys. Well, let me see here. Yeah, I wanted to dive straight into why the new supply is oblivious. Let me see. Oh, here we go. Sorry, guys. I had written some notes because my mind is kind of scattered today. I'm going to have to rely on some notes. Hmm. <clears throat> and excuse me while I get some water. Well, the new supply cannot see the truth, right? The new supply would rather live in the delusion than face the truth. Because to face the truth, they would have to admit, first of all, that they got a booby prize. And if they face the truth, they also would have to deal with the pain of extracting themselves from the new, I'm sorry, from the narcissist's life. And especially if they're entwined with the narcissist to the point where they're living together or married or engaged or um, they have a child together. Now to face the truth about the narcissist becomes a huge ordeal, right? Seems like it would be just easier to do some damage control. It would be easier just to gloss over the, the trauma that the narcissist is causing and ignore it for the most part, if they can ignore it, right? Or f try to forget about it. Try to, to uh, just pretend that it's not there. So the new supply will make excuses for the narcissist. We'll start to say, you know, the reason the narcissist is behaving this way or the reason for their bad side um, is that it's not really them, right? People have said this. This isn't really me. And then they act out like a crazy person. And you're like, okay, if that's not really you, why are you doing that so often? Why are you freaking out every other day? Or every week or when certain things happen and you're you freak out you have no self-control and yet you're saying that's not really you now the narcissist may have a good side like a really really interesting and good side that's what drew the new supply in that's what drew you in right to the narcissist you saw this really good side which was bubbly and happy and <clears throat> and um, attentive and romantic and just all in for you and you're thinking I've never met anybody like that so you think this is the real side of the narcissist and then after you spend any amount of time really with the narcissist you're going to start seeing these cracks you're going to start to see this mask start you know falling down and you get a glimpse of their bad side. You get a glimpse of their grumpy morning side. You get a glimpse of their evening grumpy side. You get a glimpse of their hungry grumpy side. You get a glimpse of their irritated side, which seems suddenly to happen more and more, that they're irritated by everything. They're critical of everyone behind closed doors, of course, right? So in front of everybody, they praise uh, whoever they're talking about or to. And then behind closed doors, they bash the person. And you're like, what the heck? I thought we liked that person, you know? Um, and they, you watch them undermine. You watch them undermine people. You watch them lie about people. You watch them gossip about people. And you're like, okay, that's not really them, you know? For the new supply to convince themselves that the narcissist's bad side is not really a part of them, they have to delude themselves. They have to ignore the truth. They have to keep their head in the sand. And a lot of times it's easier for the new supply to just keep their head in the sand. Then they don't have to deal with the big blow up. They don't have to deal with the, the complete breakup and destruction of their relationship, right? So to the new supply, they have a lot to lose. They think that they're going to be hurt through a divorce or they're going to be hurt through a messy breakup, right? Um, they know the narcissist angry side. They know the narcissist out of control tirade side. Um, so they don't want to deal with that. They, they want to believe that that tirade side is just not really the narcissist. 
So they'll stick around for a while and they'll try to diffuse the situation. They'll try to like bring the narcissist back down and to, to the ground, <laughs> you know, when they go bursting out of control. They try to bring them back down and ease them. But what they're going to find is that it's very, very hard to diffuse a narcissist. Like once they're on their tirade, once they've gotten frustrated, you cannot give them facts. They will refuse to hear anything you have to say. They have to just, it's like, um, it's like a firecracker when you start it. You can't stop it unless you have a tremendous amount of water or even sometimes water doesn't put it out. And that's the narcissist. So no matter how much you pour truth onto them, none of it seems to diffuse them. So they just keep going until they burn themselves out. That's kind of the only way the narcissist comes down from their craziness. So um, let me see. So the bad side, the new supply is going to explain the bad side is just a random event. Like cheating, right? So the narcissist cheats on the new supply and has probably cheated on you, right? And the first time they do it, um, you get mad and all that, right? And then you work it out and you think, okay, this is just a one-time event. So it's just random. It's it's not a frequent thing. It's not a pattern. So And then they also want to say that it was motivated or caused by anything but the narcissist, right? It's not the narcissist's fault that they cheated. It was the, the person they cheated with. The person they cheated with was coming on to them. The person they cheated with was the one who approached the narcissist. So it's not the narcissist's fault. Or they'll say like um, that the new supplier, the new supply might guilt themselves and say, well, I kind of was pushing them away and we weren't getting along and that's why they were easily tempted, right? That's why the narcissist would. So they give the narcissist a lot of excuses without even the narcissist having to make up the excuses themselves. The new supply will make up excuses for the narcissist so that they can forgive them. Even if the narcissist has no uh, regret about it and full on goes ahead and blames the new supply, takes no responsibility takes no responsibility for it, the new supplier will be willing to take responsibility for it because they want to avoid the big messy blow up that will happen if they stand their ground. This also happens with anger outbursts, right? They'll watch the narcissist have these anger outbursts, no self-control. Um, they'll watch them go off on a waiter or they'll go off on uh, their friends and their family and the new supplier will sit there and watch this thinking, well, it's their friends or their family or the waiter that caused it. It's not the narcissist not having any self-control. They'll feel that the narcissist is justified because the narcissist tells them they're justified, of course, right? So it's just easier for the new supply to stay oblivious to the real side of the narcissist. I, I have a, a, a story for you. I was watching this series. What was it called? Um, Love at First Sight. Something. Yeah, yeah. So it's this these couples who get married um, without ever having met each other, right? They're paired up by specialists and experts, um, psychologists and a pastor or some something like that and a counselor. I can't remember all of them, but this is a relationship therapist or something, right? So these people pair up these couples and based on their interviews with each person, and then they get married. They meet each other at the altar. Married. Oh, it's called married at first sight. That's what it is. Not love at first sight. Married at first sight. So I was watching the latest series and if you guys watch it, you will see there is a person in here. And I'm not saying she's a narcissist, but probably. She definitely has some emotional scarring and issues in her life. But she cannot see that her lack of self-control is a problem. Like she doesn't see that she has a lack of self-control. And the guy sees her explosions, right? Sees her tirades. Um, 
not just that, but you know that the narcissist also has a perspective that justifies their actions, even though it's completely inaccurate. So you see this girl um, give her story or her description of an event that happened between them, of, of uh, an argument that they had. And her, her concept of what happened is totally wrong is absolutely made up and wrong because they have it on video. They replay it for you. And you see in their argument, and I'll replay, I'll tell you what the argument was about. So she gets mad. Um, I'm not quite sure what, what started the argument, actually. But it gets to the point where she tells him to that she's not going to stay and that she's going to leave. She's calling her sister to come pick her up. So they're at a retreat, you know, out of town with the other couples. Um, and it's supposed to be a, a romantic retreat, right? So anyway, she tells him um, she's going to call her sister. She's not going to stay. She's not going home with him the next day. She's going to drive home with her sister because she's calling her sister to come get her already. And this is like late at night. They're supposed to be getting ready to go to sleep. And he's tired. She's tired. That's the worst time to try to have an argument, by the way, you guys. That's the worst time to try to resolve any um, disagreement you might have. If you have any disagreement, do not start trying to discuss it as you're going to sleep, right? Put it off until the next day when you're rested, all right? This is a problem that I have with the show. They should have equipped each couple with some of these tools before they got married. They should have given them marriage counseling in which they can teach each person how to respect and love and be considerate of the other person, how to communicate better, how to solve problems differently than they've solved them in the past. And this is the reason, by the way, why all of these people are still unmarried at the age that they are, right? This is why at this point in their life, none of them has ever been married because they're carrying all kinds of bad baggage and bad relationship habits into every relationship, including this one. So anyway, she says she's going to leave with her sister, to which he responds, well, if you're going to leave without me tomorrow, I don't see why I should stay. So he says, you know, I should just leave tonight. So, of course, this triggers her because how dare you trump me with your move, right? <laughs> he, he just one-upped her with, um, what do you call it? with rejection. Here she is rejecting him. And he's like, oh yeah, well then if you're going to reject me, I might as well just leave now, which then is a rejection of her, right? So no, she wants to be in control of the situation. She wants to be the one who rejects him. How dare he reject her? Um, I think both of their moves were wrong. Like he shouldn't have said that. He should have just let it be and not been insulted by it. And this is where you when you're the person who's with a narcissist, you don't need to egg them on. You don't need to one-up them because all that will do is inflame them more. You're pouring gasoline on a fire. That's what he did. He just poured gasoline on the fire. Um, yeah, it's insulting that she's telling him in front of all the, these other couples, I'm going to leave with my sister. And it's going to make him look like the bad guy. Like, you know, I had such a horrible time with you. I can't even drive in the same car with you back into town. And he's supposed to, like, have his tail tucked between his legs and, and, and go into his car and drive himself home with no explanation to all the other couples. And they just watch this. And they the other couples, you know, their imaginations will run wild and wonder what happened and what did he do that she had to call her sister. Anyway, here's the craziness. So he says, well, if you're going to leave with your sister, then I might as well just leave tonight. There's no point in me staying the night, like, you know, to try to be romantic with you. You know, I'm, I'm putting words in here, but there really is no point for him to stay, right? So at that point, she yells at him and tells him to get out, to leave, go, go now, get out. And she says it at least three times, probably five times. And... So he does. He starts packing up his bag. And she's shocked. She's shocked that he's packing up his bag. 
And he starts rolling the bag out of the room. She starts following him, yelling at him, screaming at him. Other couples are sticking their heads out the door, witnessing this. And um, he goes out to the car where there are a couple more couples outside who are still sitting around a fire pit talking, right? And it's near the cars. So they follow the two of them. She's yelling at him. Uh, he's trying to get out. He's begging and pleading, just let me leave. And she's demanding that the other couples interfere and stop him from leaving, right? Okay, so that's the scene. That's that what's recorded. That's what's on video. When she retells it to the therapist or psychologist or whoever the experts are, she tells them that he just up and left without any warning. He He's the one who told her, um, I'm getting out of here. Well, and then she tells the, the experts that she even asked him to stay. Which in the video, there was none of that. There's none of her ever asking him to stay. In fact, oh, oh, I'm sorry. The part where she did ask him to stay was at the end when he was at his car. And she's already thrown her fit. She's already yelled at him down the hallway or through the house. She's already yelled at him out near the fire pit. And then now she's like, just stay, just stay. So her version is like, she never told him to get out of there. She never told him, just go ahead and leave. She never yelled at him. She simply asked him nicely and almost, you know, trying to persuade him to stay. This is the version that the therapist gets, right? This is the version that the experts get. So if they didn't see the actual video, they're not going to give good advice. They're going to put, they're going to take her word as truth. And if you take the narcissist's word as truth, you're going to prescribe the wrong thing. You're not, you're going to prescribe the wrong um, advice. And that's exactly what the experts ended up doing, prescribing the wrong advice. So what I'm trying to say here is the narcissist is not going to see the event like the rest of us see it. The narcissist is not going to see how they were responsible or that they got out of control or that they crossed the line. What they're going to see is that everybody else crossed the line. Everybody else is to blame. Everybody else uh, reacted badly, poorly, irresponsibly. While the narcissist sees themselves as this calm, um, rational person who tried to fix the problem, who was the good guy or good girl, right? Who was the one who was the innocent victim. That's the way they're going to portray themselves. Now, the new supply, if they are really trusting the narcissist, they're going to allow this to continue. This guy did not allow it to continue. He actually called her on all this bad behavior. And she actually does say um, during the filming at you know a later date that he's the first one that she's ever dated that has called her on this. And then she actually says she does recognize that she has to, has to fix this problem that she has where she has these outbursts. Um, all this time, she thought that these outbursts were were justified, were, um, well, mainly that, justified. And because they're justified, they're okay, right? And that they're normal. Um, and she blames it on her past exes. So this is why narcissists don't change. This is why narcissists don't get better. You can call them on these things. And they might, for a moment, get a glimpse of what they need to change and even admit it. But then they act as if, this is not really me. This is not who I am. And who I am at my core is this wonderful person. I just have this one small flaw, is the way they see it. And the new supply will actually start to see it that way, too. The new supply will actually think, it's just this one small, random, very infrequent Law. And that's how the new supply will keep themselves oblivious to what the narcissist really is. And this is the sad thing. A lot of times if the narcissist is not held accountable, 
and there is no there is no uh, consequence to their behavior. For instance, the new supply keeps coming back. The new supply keeps forgiving. The new supply keeps allowing the narcissist to behave this way and stops challenging the narcissist because they're just tired. They're tired of the blow-ups. They're tired of, of the up till 4 a.m. arguing, right? Going around in circles. And they're tired of knowing that in the end, they're going to have to apologize to the narcissist anyway, right? To diffuse it. So they just apologize from the beginning. They just they just try to ignore that the narcissist is responsible, that the narcissist has culpability, that the narcissist is the reason everything came off the tracks, right? They're, they would rather just have peace. So if they do that, then nothing stops the narcissist and they continue on this train wreck. They continue on this, this disaster crash route, right? And, and then it gets worse. It gets worse because it doesn't, it doesn't stop with just words. It will become physical. And it could become financial, too, you know, where the narcissist starts taking advantage of the new supply and get loot. And by the way, every time this happens, the narcissist has less and less respect for the new supply. Meanwhile, the new supply doesn't know this. Right? Everything the new supply doesn't know will hurt them. So the new supply has no idea that the narcissist is respecting them less and less every time they have a blow up and every time the new supply lets the narcissist get away with it and every time the, the new supply believes the narcissist lies to cover up whatever it is they did. Um, the, the narcissist then sees the new supply as an idiot, right? as a, a fool as somebody they can manipulate, as somebody who's easily manipulated. And what they appreciate about the new supply is that the new supply has stopped arguing with them, has stopped standing up for themselves, has stopped um, being, being, up, being an obstruction to the narcissist. That's what the narcissist, if you can call it appreciation, appreciates about the new supply. These are not things to be appreciated. Right, you you don't need people to appreciate you for being a doormat. That's what the, that's what the narcissist sees the new supply as. Um, but the new supply doesn't see this. They they don't know that they're being a doormat. They think they're being a supportive partner. They think that they're being an encourager. They think that they're being a kind, forgiving person. They think you know, and all these things are good things, right? So. Here's the new supply seeing the situation completely with rose-colored glasses. They see the they don't even see the real situation. They're living in la la land, you guys. They are they're living in a dream, in a fantasy. And they're clinging to the lies as if they're truths so that they can keep the fantasy going because they feel like they would have too much to lose if they pull down this fantasy, right? All right, so let me see here. Yeah, narcs fight near bed because they can always remember what you can't. Oh, near bedtime, oh my gosh. Oh, this is good, I'm glad, Obi. Says these channels help helped me correct my, my thinking patterns. Exactly, and this is why I say some people are just narcissistic because they haven't learned how to be responsible or productive in their thinking or um, better problem solvers uh, or better, um, yeah, generally that, a problem solver. Because a lot of times we come into an argument or we come into a discussion or disagreement uh, wanting to protect our side and not wanting to hear the other side. Um, yeah, the other side might be absolutely wrong and incorrect, but that doesn't need to make us ugly and angry. It just, just let the other person talk for a moment. And if you see that you cannot have a discussion because you're cutting each other off continually, then it's best to have a moderator or a mediator, right? Somebody who will come in and essentially put a time clock out and say, you have five minutes to speak your piece, and then you have to stop and give this other person five whole minutes. So anyway... What you when when people learn 
how to communicate better, when people learn how to problem solve with other people, with their partners, they can have a productive, loving, and respectful relationship. They, they learn a new way of handling problems. Okay, but this is not what the new supply and the narcissist are doing. The new supply thinks they're doing it. The, the new supply thinks they're helping the narcissist, um, but they're only pouring more gasoline onto the fire. They're only enabling the narcissist to get worse and worse because they're not holding the narcissist responsible and they're not um, allowing the narcissist to reap the consequences of their actions, right? They're letting the narcissist off the hook. So, so they believe the bad side is temporary or insignificant to the narc's true character. They think that the narc's true character is their happy, um, sweet side, uh, their productive side, their encouraging side, whatever the narcissist does that makes the new supply feel good. They think that is the narcissist's true character. They cannot see that that part is the manipulating part, is the part that gains the trust of their supply and allows them to then act out or take advantage of the, the new supply. So it's the opposite that's true. Whatever the, the new supply believes about the narcissist, where they think the narcissist is such a catch, is so good, and that their bad side is just this small part of them, the opposite is true. The bad side is actually the big part of them, the big underlying foundation of who they are. And the times that they behave is because they've learned a little bit how to catch people, how to manipulate people. So the bad side is actually the glimpse into who the narcissist really is. And this is why I also say, when you see yourself behaving or reacting in a way you've seen your narcissist react or behave, you need to address that for yourself. You need to hold yourself accountable. You need to humble out and say, oh my gosh, I don't want to be that way. That absolutely needs to change. And once you recognize that, you actually can change. And that is the difference between you and a narcissist. Like you might do some things that seem very narcissistic. And I've had people come on and ask, am I the narcissist? I feel like I might be the narcissist. And it's like, well, you're probably if you feel that way, you're probably doing some things that narcissists do. But here you are examining yourself, you're questioning yourself, you're questioning the, the argument you had or the event that you had, and you're trying to see if you have responsibility in it. And once you can see what your responsibility is in it, then you can change. Anyway, here we are. So part of this comes from really bad new age therapy and counseling. And I call it new age therapy and counseling because um, as the medical field has evolved, the mental medical field has evolved, they are, um, I mean, and some of it, it does need to evolve, right? They, they didn't understand the psyche very well. They didn't understand what motivates people at times, right? And they didn't under understand different traumas, um, like traumas that are caused in war, traumas that are caused in the way a child grows up you know, different kinds of abuse. Um, they didn't understand Stockholm Syndrome, right? Uh, so once these things happen, the psychological field then then evolves to, to address these new traumas. One, but one of the new age therapy counseling things that I think is detrimental is they want to take responsibility away from the victim. Right? or the person who calls themselves the victim. I'm sorry, let me rephrase this. They want to believe that pretty much everybody who comes to them is a victim of some way, in some way, right? And, and so their, their mantra is, you're not what you do. You hear that? So therapists will tell, you, tell their clients who are feeling bad about what they've done and come in there, well, okay, let me rephrase this. With narcissists, when they go to see a counselor, they don't really feel bad for what they've done. They feel bad that they were caught <laughs> in doing what they did. But they play it off as if 
you know, they just say they feel bad. So then the counselor takes it as the, the client is feeling guilt and remorse for what they did, when actually they're feeling remorse for being caught for what they did and the consequences that they have to deal with now, which is their partner being upset with them and sending them to counseling. So the counselor will then tell the narcissist, well, you're not what you did, kind of releasing them further from any responsibility of what they did, right? And um, I can qualify that with, I mean, on one hand, you're not what you do. I get that. If you have repented from it, if you have turned from it, if you have noticed that this is something I don't want to do, and this is something I'm going to fix and I'm never going to do again, or at least work at trying not to do it anymore. Okay. So let me, let me give you an example, a smoker. If you're a smoker and you have no intention of giving up smoking, in fact, you've got a pack of cigarettes in your pocket right now and a lighter with you right now. Um, and you're not thinking like, the most maybe that you're thinking is, I'm going to um, slow down my smoking. I'm not going to smoke a whole pack a day. I'm just going to smoke, you know, two-thirds of a pack. I'm, I'm going to give myself uh, five cigarettes today or 10 cigarettes or whatever it is, right? You're, you're saying you're going to cut down. So are you still a smoker? Yes, yes, you're still a smoker, <laughs> by the way. Just because you do it a little bit less, you're still a smoker, all right? Just because you have an hour between cigarettes instead of five minutes between cigarettes, you're still a smoker, right? A cheater is still a cheater if they're not planning on stopping to, to stop cheating, all right? A liar is still a liar if they're not planning to stop lying. Um, but therapists want to tell you you're not what you do. So you can, can keep on doing these things and they'll say like somehow this is separate separate from who you are. And I'm like, okay, what this means is they're just redefining words, you guys. Therapists will redefine words. And I'm not, you know, coming down on all therapists out there. I'm just saying that when this happens in this medical field, that is a detriment to the victims or to the clients, right? That is a that is a detriment to the patient because now the patient feels they're not responsible. So what they do is out of their control and therefore they have no control over how they behave. It just comes out of them naturally. This is the way they see it. And this is the way narcissists see it. What our medical mental field is doing right now is enabling more people to become like narcissists. And that's why you see a lot of people not taking responsibility for their behavior and yet watching their life continually fall apart. And they don't understand. They're wondering, like, why is my life falling apart? I'm going to counseling and yet I feel great when I'm there. Well, sure, you feel great because you're being told you're great. <laughs> you're being told you're not responsible for anything that's happening in your life. You're being told that everything that's happening in your life is um, or everything that you do is justified by the circumstances in your life. And then you're that does not empower you to change your course. It only leads you down the same destructive course that narcissists go down. That's why I wanna have this channel to help you see if there is a path that you are on and you're not taking responsibility for anything that's happening along that path, you will continue on that path. There's no way you can change that path because essentially you're going down a river with no paddle, right? You're, you're, you're feeling like you cannot change your course. You can't go faster. You can't go slower. You just have to sit in this, this canoe and let it be carried by the river. That's essentially taking no responsibility for what's happening in your life. And so if you hit a rock, you hit a rock, you know, you, you, you feel like you couldn't have done anything to avoid it. If you capsize, you capsize because you couldn't have done anything to avoid it. And, and in fact, you do nothing to avoid it. You put no stops in the way. You, you don't alter your path at all. That's what narcissists do. And now they're being reinforced. You know, their perception is being reinforced with this crock therapy that tells them you are not what you do. 
So when the narcissist cheats on their new supply, on their partner, when the narcissist is lying, they're not called a cheater, they're not called a liar. Like, if you're called a cheater or a liar, then you're like, ooh, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be a cheater. I don't want to be a liar. I don't want to be a smoker, right? Um, I don't want to be an addict. I don't want to be an alcoholic. Like, if you can see that you are what you do, it's almost like you are what you eat, right? What you put in your body is what you are. What you do in your life is who you are, right? Um, so here's the crazy thing. If, they're not, if they are not what they do, then doesn't that also mean they're not this kind person who's thoughtful because they do things for other people, right? So if you follow this therapy <laughs> that's out there right now that says, oh, well, you're not a cheater. That's just what you did, but you're not a cheater. Well, that person is also not a, um, a generous person. You're not a generous person. You're not a giver just because you give, right? You're, you're, not, uh, you're not a caring person just because you care about other people, right? <laughs> so if you're not what you do when it's bad, you're also not what you do when it's good. But the therapist doesn't follow through with that kind of definition. The therapist is only encouraging the bad. And that's why I say it's detrimental. Be very careful. If you are going to see a therapist and this is the kind of therapy you're getting, um, I would suggest, I mean, on the one hand, it's nice that you get somebody who agrees with you, who encourages you, who lets you off the hook. And that's why you feel so good when you leave a therapist's office. But if all they're doing for you is pumping up your ego, they're not really helping. They help a little bit to pump up your ego. And it's it's good for people who have really, really low egos. I get it. But it's not good for people who want to change what's going on in their life. All right, you guys. So I don't want to belabor that point more. Uh, yes, peace, faith. Good to see you. Um, I called him a liar and a cheat. I told the truth. Yeah, and for the narcissist to hear that, they will resist it because they don't want to believe that they are anything at all that they do. In fact, they try to make excuses for um, or lie and cover up what they did because they don't want to be labeled what they really are because of what they really did. Um, they'll actually redefine words, right, to hide their guilt. So, oh, I have, I have a good example for you. Um, they'll say they're not cheating. Like cheating to them in their minds, they're going to redefine it means that you had intercourse, uh, a completed intercourse, right? Not to them, if you started, but you didn't finish, that's not really intercourse. So that's not really cheating. This is their definition of cheating. While the general accepted definition of cheating would be, um, yeah, you're, you're having physical intimacy, whether it's full-on intercourse, whether it's being undressed with the person in bed with them and fooling around doing everything except for intercourse, still cheating, right? Um, and then hiding it from your partner and not, because they, you know that much, like what you did is wrong. But a narcissist will cover it up <clears throat> with a definition. In their heads, they will consider that not cheating. Or if it was oral, and of course, if, if you want to say that, um, they'll consider that not cheating. And oh my gosh, you guys, if you were around back in the 90s when a certain president said, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Sexual relations, you guys. Sexual relations. Um, what the heck? And he, he did. He did have sexual relations with him, with her. But... In his mind, he considered sexual relations um, reproductive sex, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry, but sexual relations means you're using those reproductive parts in some way with each other, okay? It may not cause reproduction, but it is sexual, all right? But he tried to say, not tried, he full-on lied to, oh gosh, who was he in front of? The Senate? 
yeah, is the Senate hearing or something like that? And lied. Anyway, this is what narcissists do. They redefine words so that they can, and they shouldn't be able to get away with it, right? In any real setting, and that was a real setting, um, people with any brains would, would and should have stood up to that. Um, I'm going to give you, well, I don't know if I should go into this. What's really happening right now is there people redefining terms that's going on in our world right now. So there is a redefin, and I can't even use these terms with you guys. I'm going to have to disguise them because it's going to be banned. <laughs> and I don't want to do that. I don't want to have this video banned or um, shadow banned. Um, I'm going to call this vacationed. Okay, and it's close enough to what you think it means. It It is what it means. To be vacation means that you have to have two trips. Okay, take two trips. Then you're considered vacationed. Um, if you've only had one trip, you're not considered vacationed. It's only considered vacationed if you've had two trips. But actually, not even right after the second trip are you considered vacationed. This is the new definition. You're vacationed if you got the second, went on the second trip and waited 14 days after the second trip. Then after 14 days of from the second trip, then you're considered fully vacationed. Are you following me? That's crap. Never in our history have we defined that as vacationed or unvacationed. So here's the reason that it's a problem. When they collect information on who's vacationed and who's not vacationed. They will consider a person who passed away during their vacation, okay, after their first vacation. They passed away after their first trip, I'm sorry, um, as unvacationed. So information that's collected will count that person as an unvacationed death. I know you guys are, you know, may have already taken a stance on this, but I'm asking you to think about if these definitions are being changed, why? Why are they being changed? And can we trust the information that's being presented to us as data? So even if the person has had a second trip and they pass away during right after that second trip, they're still considered unvacationed because it hasn't been 14 days yet. So they'll be counted as part of the unvacationed. Here's why it matters. When you think of somebody who's unvacationed, are you thinking that they've had one trip, two trips, or no trips? You're thinking they have no trips, right? You're thinking they have gone, not gone on their trip yet. That's why they're unvacationed. They, they may have packed their bags. They may have shown up at the airport or ready to get on the cruise. Um, but you will consider them unvacationed because they did not actually go yet. They didn't have a trip yet. Well, when data tells you that certain people have passed away and they are unvacationed, you're going to think these are the people who refused to go on any of the trips. You're going to think that these are the people who refused to get one and definitely not the second trip. Right? So that's not what the data actually is representing. The data is actually representing people who've had one trip, even two trips, but not. it hasn't been 14 days past the second trip. And they get to count these people as those who refused to go on any trip, which is not even true because these people were willing to go on both trips. They were willing and wanting even others to go on these trips with them. And their proponents of all these trips, in fact, they want to take a third trip um, if they had made it that far, but they didn't make it that far. They're going to count it as an unvacationed person. So you guys, redefining terms allows narcissists and psychopaths to manipulate you. It allows the narcissists and psychopaths to then say, well, the data shows us this and then you're looking at it going wow well that's science because they've got data 
But here's the deal. If they redefine the data collected, then it doesn't represent what they're telling you it represents. They're, they're full on lying to you. And some people may not realize they're lying because they're pushing this data. They actually believe that the unvacationed are people, the data that shows unvacationed people are people who refuse to go on any trips. They don't realize that the data actually consists of and includes people who took both trips. It's just that it hasn't been 14 days since their trip before something happened to them or before they contracted something. They'll consider it people who contracted something for, you know, within 14 days. So one day, two days, 10 days, 13 days out from their trip as unvacationed and contracting something. So therefore, this, this is how insane it would be. Um, if I took a trip to Madagascar, let's say I, I went on a vacation to Madagascar. So I go out to Madagascar and then I come back from Madagascar. So five days after I've come back with, from Madagascar, I start showing symptoms. Or maybe even one day after I come back from Madagascar, I start showing symptoms of something. Like I caught something from there, right? And then I get hospitalized because that whatever was so bad. Um, and then for them to say, well, it can't have come from Madagascar because you haven't been away from there for 14 days yet. Does that make sense to you guys? That is what is happening to us right now. This is why it feels like you're, you are living not just in crazy town, but in freaking crazy world, you guys. So if you understand that, I hope you explain it to other people. Um, yeah. <laughs> Obi, it's good to see. It's true, right? Yeah, absolutely true. Um, oh, yeah. Well, you guys, I just wanted to share that with you because when the narcissist, and at this point in our lives, they've become psychopaths running our lives. Um, redefine words. <clears throat> they also redefined what a panda is, right? A panda is no longer this, um, this bear. It's no longer a bear, period, right? They're not going to call, they're going to call it a panda, but they're going to tell you it is no longer bear. So it's uh, that has black and white um, patches, markings on their on their fur. So they're going to start telling you that, hey, um, pandas now include um, something that looks like a turtle, right? And they'll, they'll start telling you that pandas. <coughs> let me see how they explain this. Pandas used to if you, I'm not. I can't even use the terminology to explain what's really going on in the world because it would be too obvious. Um, there was a passing away rate that required that's required for something to be a panda, okay? Um, of course, I'm not talking about the bear, now you know. Uh, since this all happened, they have now taken away the, the passing away rate. That's no longer needed now for things to be considered, the situation to be considered a panda. So now all that's needed to be considered a panda is that it's uh, transmittable, period. That's it, that it's transmittable and that people from other countries can get it or have gotten it. I'm like, that, that's like a common cold. Like when you get in an airplane on an international flight and you spread a cold, that's going to be considered a panda. But we all know that they don't really call those things a panda. Um, and it's never been a panda before just because it's transmittable and that's it. <clears throat> anyway, I don't want to lose all of you guys. I don't want you to shut down. I just want you to think about in a bigger scheme because you've already been on um, put through trauma with a narcissist because you've already been lied to, manipulated, deluded. You, you've come out of crazy town. You're trying to find sanity. You're trying to find your footing on truth. And this is why, tr why truth is so important. 
you're trying, because truth is the only thing that builds, right? You cannot build on a pack of lies. You cannot build your life on delusion. That's not a life. It's fake. You can live that way for a while, but it falls apart. It's nothing that can last. <clears throat> you can put up a facade. You can put up an image of who you are. So when you look at narcissists, you think their lives are perfect. You think they're having the best time of their lives. You're thinking that everything is going well. When behind closed doors, the new supply knows that everything is not rosy. They know, they see the ugly side of the narcissist. They see and are experiencing the abuse and the cheating and the lying and the blaming and the projection and the gaslighting. They're experiencing all of this. But on the outside, the narcissist puts up this image like everything's wonderful. And they'll deny. They'll deny everything if you have any evidence at all that things are going badly for them. They'll deny it. Oh, no, no, no. I wasn't fired from that job. I, I wanted to quit. I didn't like that job. In fact, they were fired from that job because they were so bad at it. But they're going to make it sound like I'm overqualified for that job. That job was so boring to me. It didn't challenge me. And that's why I quit. And they didn't quit. They were fired. But if you believe the lies that the narcissist is telling you, the story, the version, whatever it is, right, that the narcissist is telling you, if you actually believe it, then you're going to perpetuate this lie for a little bit longer for the narcissist and for yourself. And you might be hurt by it because what if you are thinking about hiring the narcissist and they're telling you how intelligent they are, that they were so overqualified, that they the old job they had was so boring and they just needed a challenge and what the job you want to hire them for would be per a perfect fit for them, you know, and, and you're thinking, wow, if they're that smart, if they're that overqualified for this, this other position, they'll be a great fit for, for this position, my, my position that I want to put them in. You hire them and then they will destroy your company. They will, they will cost you so much in time and money as they destroy your company. You cannot give in to the delusion and the lies of the narcissist. When they redefine what um, quitting is, <laughs> right? Uh, to them, quitting is they're about to get fired, so they quit. But then they make up a backstory of how it, they were overqualified. It was a bad fit, all this stuff, which they would have stayed because the money was good and they were being paid to essentially do nothing until they were found out that they were doing nothing and then they got fired. You guys, this is the life and the delusion of a narcissist. And I don't want you to get caught up in it in crazy world where we're getting played, we're being gaslit, um, terms are being redefined, and we're shown data, if you will, that doesn't mean what they're telling us it means. Okay? So I hope you understand that. The good news, you guys, I want to end on good news. The good news is now we know. Now we know to question, right? And this is why I started this off with, I question everything. And questioning is not a bad thing. If someone tells you, well, how dare you question? That means you don't love me or trust me and all this. <clears throat> well, if the other person's giving you reason and showing you hypocrisy and contradictions in what they say, what they do, if there are red flags going up all around, you need to question. It's not bad to question. Don't be guilted out of questioning. All right, you guys? Once you're able to question, you can start finding the truth. You can start actually building your life on a firm foundation, on something that's real. And even though it seems scary at first, because you have to give up the delusion, right? You have to give up the illusion of this perfect, wonderful life where you can just keep your head in the sand and pretend everything's okay. That is what the new supply does. That's the new supply being oblivious to what's happening to them and around them. And then eventually their world comes down crashing. We do not want to be oblivious to what's going on around us. We want to pay attention. It looks scary at first. You're like, well, what do I do with this? It's going to cause a huge deal or a huge problem and friction if I try to share this information with other people because they won't believe me. 
same thing with the new supply. They're thinking, if I try to tell the flying monkeys and the fan club what I'm seeing behind closed doors, they're not going to believe me. It's just easier to go along with the facade. It's easier to go along with the illusion. That is what's happening. But what happens with going along with the facade and the illusion is you're going to crash. There's going to be a huge crash and it's going to be far worse down the line than if you stop it now. Like if you stop a train from getting to, you're thinking, oh, if I stop the train now, it'll never get to this destination of, you know, some wonderful city I wanted to visit. Um, but it was never going to get to that destination to begin with. It was about to go off a cliff. So if you stay on this train that's headed towards the city, but there is a huge break in the track and there's a cliff that where the track is broken, you are never going to get to that city anyway. You're just deluding yourself into thinking that if you stay on the train, you're going to get to the city. But if you deal with it right now, what will happen is, no, you won't get to that city. Actually, you were never going to get to that city anyway. But now you save yourself from going over a cliff. You save yourself and maybe a bunch of people that you love. You save them. So you guys, that is the good news. Deal with the truth now. Um, humble yourself out to see what you are responsible for, what you actually have control over, because you do have certain controls. You have control over your own body, right? What you do with it. Um, you have control over your yeses and your noes, right? Uh, at least for now, sort of, right? Um, notice when those controls are being taken from you and you're not no longer able to, to have a yes or a no. You're no longer able to resist. You're no longer able to um, say no. That's a problem. That's when you start to try to find other people who are noticing this and not just going along and sticking their head in the sand and thinking that it's better just to go along and that way we, we get to this destination which, by the way, you are never going to get to, right? So you're, these people who keep their heads in the sand and stay oblivious are just like the new supply that's trying to stay oblivious. We all have seen it. We have all have seen how relationships end with narcissists. And it's going to end for the new supply as well. The new supply is allowing it to drag out further and further. Um, they're allowing the narcissist to marry them. They're allowing the narcissist to have children with them. They're allowing the narcissist to be um, woven into their family's lives. It's going to be so much harder years from now for them to extract the narcissist from their life. So you guys, this is what I wanted to share with you. I hope that this has, has helped you make better decisions in your life, but also have hope because you are not going to lie to yourself anymore. You are going to seek the truth. You are now going to build your life on a firm foundation of truth and of people, other people who see the truth and who aren't just interested in smoothing things over and ignoring uh, the problem and hoping the problem just goes away on its own. Okay, you guys, you're not going to be deluded anymore. You're going to be amongst the living, those who are refusing to go back to sleep. You're going to be amongst, and it's so inspiring, by the way. At times, it's sad, and it's hard, and it may feel lonely, just like it does in a relationship or out of a relationship after you've discarded the narcissist. You feel lonely. You feel hopeless. You feel like, you know, a failure. You might even feel ashamed that things didn't work out, um, or maybe embarrassed because now you have to tell other people that you're broken up or that um, it didn't work out, so they might wonder about you at first, right? So you might feel a bit of shame. It doesn't matter, you know? It doesn't matter because you don't have to feel that way. You can still hold your head high. You will get over it. The more you seek the truth, you'll realize you, there's nothing to feel ashamed of. There's nothing to feel guilty about. There's nothing, you, you don't have to feel hopeless because what you were hoping for was never really there. Now at least you get to hope Put all of your energy and your resources into a real life, into something that's going to build in your life and make you a better person, but also make you happier, make you more fulfilled. You get to move on. 
Okay, I will do that, Obi. I will do that. All right, you guys. Blessings to you. I am over the hour. I hope that I didn't ramble on too long, but if you feel like I did, uh, feel free to watch the recap of Happy Crappy Hour, where I'm going to condense all of this within 10 to 15 minutes um, and just hit the highlights and probably not give you all the examples that I gave you this time around. Um, but it will give you the highlights and the major points that hopefully you can take on. And if you need a refresher or a review of today, then you can just watch that. And I'll be getting that moving along in a few minutes here. All right. Have a great week, you guys. Uh, be sure to subscribe, like the channel, uh, like this video. Um, what else? Watch, watch a commercial once in a while. That really helps me. That's actually been helping, you guys. So even though I have few views because I know that uh, there's an algorithm out there that's keeping this away, but also maybe this, I'm not everybody's cup of tea. I get that. But if I'm important to you or what I've said is important to you, if this channel is important to you, go ahead and watch a commercial once in a while. That actually helps. And what else? Oh, make some comments. Write some comments in the videos once they come up. So blessing to you guys. Thank you so much for showing up. I hope this has helped you guys. Thank you, Obi. You are one of my wonderful followers who's been with me pretty much from the beginning. I remember seeing you quite a while ago. So I appreciate that you sticking with me. I hope that we'll continue on together and have a great life. I want to hear so many good things coming up in your life in the near future. All right. I will see you guys next week.